I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the 12 Days of Dishmas by Dish Island. My name's Tegan Higginbotham. And my name's Paul Verhoeven. Paul, Merry Christmas. Thank you. No, you meant to say, <laughs> Paul, you meant to say Merry Christmas back. This is a terrible start. Oh, that's how it works. To our brand new Christmas mini series, The 12 Days of Dishmas. We are so glad to have you all here. And on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me content, Paul, and a hell of a lot of it. We have 12 piping hot days of Christmas episodes coming your way every single morning. It's like a big advent calendar. That's absolutely right. For the first 12 days of Christmas, we'll be getting tips, recipes, and hilarious tales from your favourite chefs, authors, comedians and more. That's right. Whether it's how to nail the perfect Christmas turkey with Better Homes and Gardens' Ed Helmiaghi or VIP DIY present-making tips from Cal Wilson or even advice on how to keep Christmas simple from Emmy Lou McCarthy, we've got everything you need for a fun, stress-free and delicious Christmas. We really hope you enjoy the season and we're going to jump right in right now with our very first special guest. He's Australia's leading cheese expert and the man behind the famous Maker and Munger Cheese Shop, aka the Chapel of Cheese in Paran. Anthony Femia helped build Australia's first underground cheese cellar and was the first Australian cheesemonger to visit Marcel Petit of France to select his very own flavour profile of Comte. Now, Underground cheese cellar, that sounds like the cheese making cheese fight. Like a- <laughs> <laughs> and now he's here to teach you how to put together the perfect cheese platter, guaranteed to blow your friends and family away. Plus, he delivers a few must-know cheese secrets and reveals what really happens when you eat too much cheese. Trust us, it is not what you think, but it is wild. Here he is, Anthony Femia. Well, first of all, Anthony, welcome to Dish Island. You are joining us from your stall, Maker and Munger at the Paran Market. So thanks for making the time to chat with us today. No, thank you very much for having me. I've got to ask, you are a huge foodie. Huge. I don't know why I said it like that. You're a huge foodie. What was Christmas like for you in the Femia household growing up? Uh, there was First of all, there was water bomb fights uh, in the mornings with our, our cousins. Um, and my brother still to this day is very scared of a water bomb flying his way. But the mornings always started with who could eat the most panettone or pandoro, which is the, the panettone <laughs> with the, the limoncello cream through it, opening the presents, and then the traditional lunch and dinners at either side of the grandparents. And it was always on Christmas when we got to experience some of the most rich foods of our life so you never wore a belt you only wore elastic bands pants or shorts because if you wore a belt that was a rookie error and by the end of lunch you wouldn't have been able to compete uh, in the annual cricket game either that is so lovely Paul, you actually blew my mind because when you had our family Christmas about three years ago, maybe four years ago, you told me that you'd 
never played sport with your family. And I'm with Anthony. I think it's such an important thing that you all get outside and start arguing over a game of cricket. You, on- think, it's, you think it's cricket. You think cricket is the sport to play at Christmas. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you need that, that sporting battle on Christmas Day to get rid of the feuds that have been building up all year. You know, a stray bounce or a stray beamer towards somebody, you know, that, that lets them know, don't mess with me the following year. Do you think sometimes the cooking at Christmas can also be a release of pent-up energy? Because surely there's a degree of competitiveness, especially when there's different sides of the family catering for each other all day, right? Yeah, yeah. With my mum's side of the family, it's, it's a very traditional, um, my grandma and my mum uh, do all the cooking. Um, so my uncle, who works in the fruit and veg provador, uh, industry up in Sydney, he would always bring in the best mangoes and the best cherries and we'd start oh, with those. Wow. Um, and then the cooking usually begins on about the 22nd of December um, with mum and grandma's beautiful pasta bag that's been passed down through the family, uh, through a couple of generations there. And they've got their secret recipe of the sauce, how to get it so rich. It's, it's almost like that pasta bake from that scene in Big Night with Stanley Tucci. Okay, well, you've just you've used one of my favourite words, which is secret. Uh, can we? I guess we can't. We can't ask you how they make their sauce so good, can we? Uh, they put... Uh, they put <laughs> That's a, a no? No, no, no. Uh, they, I'm not going to tell you exactly, but they do put an, a different animal into the sauce to generate flavour. Um, and What, well, is it just like a random different animal every year? Like, is this like year a, it's owl. There's like a wheel. It's... It's like one of those game show wheels where there's like 50 <laughs> different mammals and da 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 ocelot. I'm just saying that there's, a, there's an animal. I'm not going to tell you what type. Um, right. And then it's got the meatballs that are made with veal and uh, pork mince and it's the fattier the better. Uh, then we have the boiled eggs, the salami that our gra- grandfather would make in uh, winter. Uh, that would be ready by <sighs> summer. Uh, then the panne, and then the mozzarella, and the different layers throughout. So that's what we'd start with, and then we'd move to the big seafood salad, and then we'd have the stuffed eggplants, the arancini, the turkey that was stuffed, the ham that was glazed, uh, scallops, tomato salad from my Nornal's garden, which had enough pesticide on there that you didn't need any marinade. So if that didn't put you to sleep after lunch, the food coma definitely did. Oh my god, there's nothing like a bit of defoliant to really take <laughs> take things down on a Christmas. So I'm really curious because you know I grew up in a very Anglo household, but I also grew up. Um, we went to the same schools. I mean, I on the northern beaches, you know, Narrowena and um, over at St Paul's, and there were lots of Italian families. And I never got to go to an Italian Christmas. I never got to kind of go and enjoy that kind of home cooking. What was it like growing up? You know, being immersed in this kind of stuff were you and did you ever have friends over who were just sort of blown away by that food yeah the i was lucky where mum would recreate that for my my birthday so growing up even up to about 18 years of age it was an enviable invite if you got a an invitation to one of my birthdays because we started off with a a three-course dinner that mum would cook um, and then she'd finish it like she'd finish the christmas dinner with a massive pavlova and a massive tiramisu and i'm when I use the word massive, I mean it because it's it was like a a half a metre, so 50 centimetre platter that was just Whoa. covered in pavlova. This is what got me into food were the Christmas dinners and Christmas lunches that my grandma and my mum would cook for our family. And, and that's what immersed me in, in the love of igniting your senses and, and igniting your emotions and memories through through the cooking. And I always wanted to do something as a tribute to them and it just happened to be a cheese. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, talk about, yeah, them establishing this legacy because what's interesting is they've completely inspired you and I know for a fact that when people come to Maker and Munga you inspire them as a result and it's just become this incredible cycle of food but what makes me particularly curious is for somebody like you who has had such a a a, a, a spread of incredible food from such a young age what is your Christmas desert island dish? What If you had to choose just one element from that that incredible history of food that you have, what is it? And is it something that you ate as a kid or is it something that you now make that you think supersedes all of that other stuff? Oh, my mum's going to be listening to this, cut, so I can't say it's something that it's that superseded or else probably, probably disowned quicker than... Uh. <laughs> the ultimate desert island dish, Lord, it's either... Mum's pavlova or that that pasta bake because you don't just have one serving of that pasta bake you go back for seconds and thirds before the schnitzels before the ham before the turkey like we load up on that it's just something that's in that sauce and i'm hoping that they do pass down that recipe um to the next generation um that way i know how to make that sauce because it's absolutely stunning and that would be my desert island dish would be that pasta there's a there's a Roald Dahl book called George's Marvelous Medicine. Uh, I'm not sure if you read it, but it's it's an amazing kid's book. And basically, he accidentally makes this incredible serum, I think, to save someone's life. And then he tries to recreate it, and he can never recreate it. So they sort of have to reverse engineer an experiment. What I'm trying to say, Anthony, is do you think that we, based on the clues you gave us, could reverse engineer and kind of stumble our way towards this, this source? Definitely. And I've given mum a big hint. I've bought her a, uh, a handmade leather-bound recipe journal uh, for her to start putting her uh, family recipes in. So let's oh, hope that's that... that's a great idea. Good incentive. Very good incentive for her. That's such a lovely idea. Well, Anthony, we've got your Christmas Desert Island dish. Forget the pavlova. I think it's mystery meat pasta bake. I think that's the direction that we're going here. So before we let you go today, a lot of people are going to be entertaining this Christmas for the first time in a long time. I have no doubt they want to impress their family, friends, the in-laws. You, sir, know how to put together a good cheese platter. What should they be putting out? What should they be serving this year for Christmas? And what are some of the terrible, terrible mistakes that you've encountered that they can avoid? (laughs) Yes. All right. Firstly, the mistakes, don't leave your cheese out all day. Just pull it out just before serving um, you want the cheese at around 10 degrees if you have your cheese out all day it sweats it turns to mush it loses all its flavor and you're spending good money on quality cheese so that's the big mistake that is they should definitely not do and the other one is don't pull out a heavy red with your blue cheese keep it as something fortified or sweet like a botrytis uh, if you're going to serve blue cheese but the ultimate cheese platter if you're a francophile Uh, You should definitely hit up Roquefort with a Sauternes um, and a spiced gingerbread. That would be a delicious after-meal delight. Or if you're of the English 
Nod to the Commonwealth, you do a piece of Stilton with either a fortified like a port from the Rutherglen, or you could even go the other way and do a sparkling Shiraz. Um, we seem to be obsessed at Christmas with sparkling Shiraz in this, this country, um, whether we serve it with the ham off the bone and the blue cheese. But try that with your favourite minced fruit cake uh, that you'd get for Christmas, so your fruit pudding or whether it's one of those little spice cakes. Serve that with the Stilton on top with that either fortified port or the sparkling Shiraz and do that after a meal. But if you want to do, if, oh, sorry, if you want to do before meal, Comte. Comte and champagne. Anthony, can you eat too much cheese? Speaking as someone who tends to eat a lot of cheese, uh, am I going to get, like, am I going to die if I eat too much cheese on Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Day? No, but there were studies that were done in America a couple of years ago. If you eat over a kilo of cheese, it gives you the same sensation as if you were to take an ecstasy pill. So what? I'm not into my recreational drugs, but I did read that study and it gives you that same euphoria as mm-hmm. ecstasy. And that's where those cheese dreams kick in, where people say they have weird and wonderful dreams after consuming too much cheese close to bedtime. so People have literally been tripping on cheese. But how could you eat a kilo? Imagine eating a kilo of Comte. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's much bigger than an ecstasy tablet, I assume. <laughs> I mean, you can't just take two with water, you'd explode. But... I love this idea of this news segment where, you know how they always have the news segment where they've revealed, like, the bag of pills? It's just for yeah. them unveiling all your Comte cheese wheels from France. You know they do, they find, like, a like a drug runner, um, you know, on a plane to Bali who's whacked a small baggie of pills up his bot-bot. I mean, <laughs> the man would have to be seven stories high. God, this is these are Godzilla-sized pills. But... Oh, my gosh. Anthony, it's just been such a delight having you on Dish Island. Not only have you given people some wonderful ideas for Christmas, I think you've set the challenge. Challenge down. No, <laughs> no, it's not a dare, Tegan. Judging by everything you've told us, you are going to have an absolutely beautiful Christmas this year. And um, we're sending so much love to you and your family. And I say this as if Paul and I aren't going to run down to the markets in the next five minutes and be buying copious amounts of cheese from you, which we will. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Well, we hope you enjoyed that. We sure did. And we can't wait to see you literally tomorrow morning for another episode of the 12 Days of Dishmas. Tegan, there's 11 left. I know. And you are not going to want to miss a single one. Tomorrow, we've got April Ellen Horton, a.k.a. the Bodzilla, on the show. And she is going to make sure you feel bloody wonderful this Christmas. Don't miss out. We'll see you tomorrow. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Cut that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 